We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. of the Ascended Masters have been called the path above the path. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. Well, greetings and thanks once again for joining us today. You are tuned to The Open Door, the Internet voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Ross Brunson. Today our focus is Ascended Master Education. You know, that's right, Ross. Um, More precisely, we are talking about educating the heart of the child. You know, Tom, within the pantheon of today's great teachers, there is one whose methods and impact have quietly shaped generations of well-balanced children. Well-balanced children. You know, we're referring to Maria Montessori, and I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with that name. And as a side note, I, too, am a product of the Montessori method. (laughs) And just look at you. (laughs) Yeah, that's easy to do on the radio, isn't it? Uh Well, you know, you are well-rounded. Let's not go there. <laughs> you know, no. You know, what I mean to say is that, you know, you, um, as I know you well, you're a lifelong learner. You're well-read, balanced, curious. You're an independent, useful, and competent citizen. <laughs> well, you know, and I benefited greatly from having been exposed to an educational method that focused, well, not just on what I could absorb and learn, but on basically bringing out my inner knowing, my inner teacher, and setting mm-hmm. me free. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the focus of this uniquely inspiring teaching method, which was pioneered by Maria Montessori, is on the heart of the child, not just the brain or some dry measure of IQ or anything that's purely academic. Well, you know, it's for that reason primarily that we chose to focus today's program on that's educating right. the heart of the child and how sorely needed this focus is in today's education of the, the whole person or the whole child. Yeah, and this is why we have called this Ascended Master Education. You know, Tom, in the teachings, the Ascended Masters have made it abundantly clear that it's through the heart that we will make our ascensions to higher realms of the spiritual consciousness and experience. Yeah, so what better place to focus real education than on the heart? Absolutely. Many times you've heard us talking about the heart, the heart chakra, love, compassion. Yeah, and this is simply another dimension of that same message. Well, in that same regard, we're very pleased and excited to bring you not only the words of Elizabeth Clare Prophet on this subject, but we also have in studio today Master Montessori teacher and certification expert, Mary Ellen Mons. Indeed, I'm looking at her right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Mary Ellen Mons um, has been intimately involved with Montessori education since 1971, 
That's four decades if you're counting. <laughs> yes, she was one of my teachers. I'm not sure Mary Ellen really wants to hear that right now. <laughs> no, but you know, she has amassed an amazing body of work teaching and promoting the Montessori method around the world. And we will devote the entire second half of today's program to a lively discussion with Mary Ellen about the core values of the Montessori method and its application in the realm of today's education. You know, really, Tom, this is something for all of our listeners whose lives and livelihoods touch children, and that's pretty much everybody. Oh, you know, you're entirely right. You know, it, suffice it to say, it's a truism that our children are the future. But the fact remains that our world will be in their hands someday. Well, I mean, sooner than we think, you know, time is marching on. <laughs> Indeed, you know, so the investment that we make in their educations now is obviously vital to all of us, our children included. Well, and as we said a few moments ago, Elizabeth Claire Bravitt has spoken numerous times and at length on the subject of the Montessori method. You know, and we've chosen to share two very relevant excerpts from lectures given by Mrs. Prophet on the subject of the role of the Montessori teacher in the education of the child. You know, we'd like to play the first of those excerpts now. As I meditated upon what it means to be a Montessori teacher, I went back to the words of Maria Montessori herself. They are so inspired by the Holy Spirit and so unknown by most of us that I could not leave you any longer in ignorance as to the profound message. I know you will hear from Dr. Montessori's own words in the book The Absorbent Mind, some essence of what she felt it meant to be a teacher. She speaks of the teacher's preparation. The first step an intending Montessori teacher must take is to prepare herself. For one thing, she must keep her imagination alive. For while in the traditional schools, the teacher sees the immediate behavior of her pupils, knowing that she must look after them and what she has to teach. The Montessori teacher is constantly looking for a child who is not yet there. This is the main point of difference. The teacher, when she begins work in our schools, must have a kind of faith that the child will reveal himself through work. She must free herself from all preconceived ideas concerning the levels at which the children may be. The many different types of children, meaning they are more or less deviated, must not worry her. In her imagination, she sees that single normalized type which lives in a world of the spirit. The teacher must believe that this child before her will show his true nature when he finds a piece of work that attracts him. So what must she look out for? That one child or another will begin to concentrate. To this she must devote her energies and her activities will change from stage to stage as in a spiritual ascent. What she does will usually have three aspects. First stage. The teacher becomes the keeper and custodian of the environment. She attends to this instead of being distracted by the children's restlessness. From this will come healing and the attraction that captures and polarizes the child's will. In our countries where each wife has her own home, the wife tries to make the home as attractive as possible for herself and her husband. Instead of giving her whole attention to him, she gives much also to the house so as to make surroundings in which a normal and constructive life can flourish. She tries to make the home a place of comfort and peace with full and varied interests. 
The essential charm of a house is its cleanliness and order, with everything in its place dusted bright and cheerful. She makes this her first consideration. The teacher in the school must not do otherwise. All the apparatus is to be kept meticulously in order, beautiful and shining in perfect condition. Nothing may be missing, so that to the child it always seems new, complete, and ready for use. This means that the teacher also must be attractive, pleasing in appearance, tidy and clean, calm and dignified. These are ideals that each can realize in her own way. But let us always remember when we present ourselves before children that they are of the company of the elect. The teacher's appearance is the first step to gaining the child's confidence and respect. The teacher should study her own movements to make them as gentle and graceful as possible. The child of this age idealizes his mother. We may not know what kind of woman she is, but we often hear a child say when he sees a pretty woman, how lovely she is, just like my mummy. Quite possibly the mother is not at all beautiful, but she is so to the child, and everyone he admires is, to him, as beautiful as she. So care for one's own person must form part of the environment in which the child lives. The teacher herself is the most vital part of his world. The teacher's first duty is therefore to watch over the environment, and this takes precedence over all the rest. Its influence is indirect, but unless it be well done, there will be no effective and permanent results of any kind, physical, intellectual, or spiritual. The preparation of the environment is the preparation of hallowed space. We have the concepts of pursuing the mastery of time and space. Sometimes we neglect space or the respect of others' space. Maria Montessori teaches that the classroom is the space of the child. To preserve the integrity of the child, she understands that order and the order of all the materials that the child may need to unfold his inner potential is essential and that that very order enables the child to transcend the environment, transcend those particular apparatus and go beyond into the interior self and perhaps into the galaxies beyond. Space then, as hallowed space, we experience in these few words of Maria Montessori, her reverence for life. I remember when I thought of all people, one of the ones who I would most like to meet was Albert Schweitzer, one of the, so to speak, idols of my youth. And the concept of reverence for life has always been to me this sense of respect for the dominion, the freedom, and the integrity of the individual. Understanding that this applies to the newborn child and the early stages of development is a most exciting discovery for us who are teachers, parents, and friends of all children. Maria Montessori discusses the second stage. Having considered the environment, we must ask how the teacher shall behave toward the children. What can we do with these disorderly little people, with these confused and uncertain little minds that we hope to attract and cause to fasten upon work? Sometimes I use a word easily misunderstood. The teacher must be seductive. She must entice the children. Were the environment to be neglected, the furniture dusty, the apparatus broken and out of place, and if, above all, the teacher herself were slovenly, ill-mannered, and harsh to the children, then the basic essentials would be lacking for the goal at which she aims. The teacher in this first period, before concentration has shown itself, 
must be like the flame which heartens all by its warmth, enlivens and invites. There is no need to fear that she will interrupt some important psychic process since these have not yet begun. Before concentration occurs, the directress may do more or less what she thinks best. She can interfere with the children's activities as much as she deems necessary. This is the portion of the interchange of teacher and children, newly in the classroom. It is the extension of the fire of the heart. It is the putting forth of oneself to supply whatever the child may need to begin to feel comfortable, comfortable in the spirit of the Lord, comfortable in a holiness, comfortable in his own inner wholeness. So it is entirely the freedom of the teacher to go to the inner resource of herself and bring forth the needs of the students. Now, when we return, we will hear another compelling and relevant excerpt from Elizabeth Prophet's presentation on the education of the child. Don't go away. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And welcome back, everyone. Thank you for staying with us. In the following lecture excerpt, Elizabeth Proft reminds us, parents and teachers alike, that children are not our private possession. 
but they are sent from God, and we are their caretakers. Everyone knows that a lively teacher attracts more than a dull one, and we can all be lively if we try. Anyone, for example, can say cheerfully, let's move all the furniture today and work with the children encouraging and praising them all in a bright and pleasing manner. Or she may say, what about this brass water jug? It needs polishing. Or again, let's go in the garden and pick some flowers. Every action of the teachers can become a call and an invitation to the children. The teacher in the tradition of Maria Montessori represents the inner teacher. What we establish then as the foundation of the entire Montessori experience, in the heart of the child, the child must know, the teacher is first and foremost my friend. A friend who is a few notches beyond me in attainment and in studies and in maturity, but nevertheless my friend who will romp with me, play with me, and call me by the calling of the heart, like the playing of the flute of Krishna that I know so well, into those activities where I begin to give something of myself, in spite of myself, in spite of all those things that I may bring with me, as little naughtiness, little rebellion, little mischievousness, and above all that restlessness that comes from having lived in an unprepared and perhaps undisciplined environment. This is the second phase of the teacher's work. If at this stage there is some child who persistently annoys the others, the most practical thing to do is to interrupt him. It is true that we have said and repeated often enough that when a child is absorbed in his work, one must refrain from interfering so as not to interrupt his cycle of activity or prevent its free expansion. Nevertheless, the right technique now is just the opposite. It is to break the flow of disturbing activity. It is Maria Montessori's belief that if there is disturbing activity in the child, it is because the natural cycles of the enfoldment of the inner potential have been disturbed. And so to interrupt that flow of the disturbance means a break in that trend and the opportunity to once again establish the harmony with the inner blueprint. The interruption may take the form of any kind of exclamation or in showing a special and affectionate interest in the troublesome child. These distracting demonstrations of affection, which grow more numerous with the disturbing activities of the child, act on him like a series of electric shocks, and they have their effect in time. Often a question will serve, such as, How are you, Johnny? Come with me. I have something for you to do. Probably he won't want to be shown, and the teacher will say, All right, it doesn't matter. Let us go into the garden. And either she will go with him or send her assistant. In this way, he and his naughtiness will pass directly into the hands of the assistant, and the other children will cease to be disturbed by him. It is wonderful that Dr. Montessori has considered these problems because they are fundamental problems, especially when, on the surface of the earth today, there is turmoil, disturbance, chaos, and extreme anxiety. Even a child coming from the best home and the best parents cannot help but pick up these vibrations of the planetary body, knowing how to deal with them, not making too much of them, redirecting the children's energy, establishing this communion is so important. And this is the work of the Montessori teacher. The third stage. Finally, the time comes in which the children begin to take an interest in something, usually in the exercises of practical life. 
for experience shows that it is useless and harmful to give the children sensorial and cultural apparatus before they are ready to benefit from it. Before introducing this kind of material, one must wait till the children have acquired the power to concentrate on something. And so the children, as Maria Montessori so taught us, are so sensitive to their parents and their teachers. To them they are even the focal point of God himself. And therefore they take at face value what comes to them, blessing or bane. And so when we realize, as we meditate upon the child, that here is the potential of life itself, of the fullness of that which God has given to his servant sons. In our teaching and our path, we realize that souls are part of the moving stream of God's consciousness, that we have all lived before and are on a mighty pathway of life. We realize then that the three-year-old may have vast attainment in previous lifetimes that we have not known or understood ourselves. How to unlock this potential, how to bring forth from the sealed seed of life the opening, the delicate opening of the inner flower, the inner heart, and the recall of past lifetimes, drawing back upon that attainment, those accomplishments, those things which we all want to bring with us. Instinctively, Maria Montessori laid forth a method whereby this can happen in the classroom if we are attentive to her directions. Thus the power to concentrate on something must be evoked from within the heart of the child. And usually, as I say, this occurs with the exercises of practical life. When the child begins to show interest in one of these, the teacher must not interrupt. Because this interest corresponds with natural laws and opens up a whole cycle of new activities, but the first step is so fragile, so delicate, that a touch can make it vanish again, like a soap bubble, and with it goes all the beauty of that moment. We see, then, a supreme sensitivity necessary on the part of the teacher, the parent, or the friend of the child. The sensitivity to the moment when the child begins to concentrate, perhaps even for the first time not even to nudge or touch or speak, but to have the reverence that something is happening which we do not fully understand. It is an internal process. People presume to say that children have very little awareness because they do not articulate as we do. And yet, in the book Life Before Life, we have many, many recollections of people who were regressed as to what they were thinking before they were born, while they were being born, and after they were born. And so this process of concentration, which we can easily call meditation, must not be interrupted. Now, not to interrupt a child, for us who are adults, this requires an orientation of our relationship to the child. What? We are not allowed to interrupt our children? Of course not. We cannot be self-styled tyrants. Children are not our private possession. But they are sent from God, and we are caretakers. And that is Maria Montessori's concept of the teacher. And these four who go forth, representing her today, go forth with the sense, I am my brother's keeper, caretakers in this garden,
carefully prepared as the inner and the outer environment. In the psychological realm of relationship between teacher and child, the teacher's part and its techniques are analogous to those of the valet. They are to serve and to serve well, to serve the spirit. This is something new, especially in the educational field. It is not a question of washing the child when he is dirty, of mending or cleaning his clothes. We do not serve the child's body because we know that if he is to develop, he must do these things for himself. The basis of our teaching is that he should not be served in this sense. The child has to acquire physical independence by being self-sufficient. He must become of independent will by using in freedom his own power of choice. This power of choice is the most sacred gift of life. We cannot expect that if we make decisions for our children all their lives, that suddenly they will exercise good judgment at 18 or 20 or 26. We must realize that free will is there at birth, and a child begins to exercise that free will. To interfere is to destroy the process whereby we are sent to earth to learn by trial and error. And you have often heard the child say, I want to do it all by myself. The greatest satisfaction of accomplishment, the testing of the power of choice, the power of the will. And when do we learn the most from the power of choice? When we make mistakes. The mistakes that we make are our greatest teachers. Let us leave our children in a protected area where they can afford to make some mistakes and move onward with their own personal sense of integrity. He must become capable of independent thought by working alone without interruption. This is called the sacred labor. What is the sacred labor? It is what we are all engaged in all of our lives. It is sacred because we do it to the glory of God. And that God we find is also the inner self. And so our labor as the labor of the little child is the preparing of the self the integration of the self so that one day it may offer that self on the altar of humanity in service. The child's development follows a path of successive stages of independence. Successive stages of independence the life of your child unfolds. And our knowledge of this must guide us in our behavior towards him. We have to help the child to act, will, and think for himself. This is the art of serving the spirit, an art which can be practiced to perfection only when working among children. It is the greatest privilege of our lives to work among children. By this very ability that we come to have in working with children, to see that they must act, will, and think for themselves, and we can be a catalyst for that process. And this is the sublime satisfaction of being a Montessori teacher. All right. Um, well, up next, um, as promised, our Q&A with today's special guest, Mary Ellen Mons. Please stay with us. online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? 
You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On mind, brain, and body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to the Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And okay, we're back. And as promised, we are joined by Montessori master teacher, Mary Ellen Mons. Welcome, Mary Ellen. Thank you. What a privilege to hear these words from Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Oh, indeed. Well, we're glad you're here and can hear them ourselves. Can't get enough of it. Now, I want to say right off that as a friend, I know you would prefer that we not focus on your accomplishments and instead place the real emphasis on children and their education. You know, but I think the truth is, you know wherever you speak. You've you know, you've also trenches. been in the trenches of Montessori education, as it were, since 1971. Indeed. And educating the heart of the child has been a pretty singular focus for you, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Well, you know, let's begin with just a few moments of background. We'll get it out of the way. Um, you studied the Montessori method directly with Dr. Elizabeth, Madam Kaspari. Who was she, and how long did you work with her? Well, I had already been a Montessori teacher for about 10 years when I met her, mm-hmm. and um, she was Swiss. She was born in 1899 and passed on in 2002, so oh you can imagine someone who spans three centuries of experience. Wow. Um, 
she earned her PhD in music pedagogy and had a renowned school of music in Switzerland. The children of the, some of the crown heads of Europe came and studied music with her. And at one point in the late 1930s, she was invited to go to India with a wealthy friend who offered to take her on an expedition up into the Himalayas. <laughs> and um, it was on that trip to India, actually, that she met Maria Montessori and had the opportunity to take the Montessori training course when Montessori was there and then ended up with the advent of World War II being trapped in India for nine years. Oh, my gosh. And she was living in a small hill station up in the mountains of South India called Cody Canal with Montessori in the same little village for four years. And they were destined to be together. They truly were. <laughs> and they... Uh, so when Manukaspari finally came, she came to the United States with her husband rather than returning to, to Switzerland. They felt they wanted a true new start in their life, mm -hmm. and they started a Montessori school in the early 1950s. So it was in 1979, just a couple of months before her 80th birthday, that I met her. And unbelievably, we had a very close friendship and collegial relationship for the next 22 years. And this was when she was in her 80s. Yes, 80s, 90s. She taught children until she was 100. Oh, my gosh. She was a remarkable <laughs> woman. Wow. So, Mary Ellen, I have a question for you. How did you, how did you actually get in contact with her? That's a pretty good uh, part of the story, too, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, she saw a flyer at a friend's house of an event at our school, and she sent me a letter saying, you are a Montessori school that I haven't heard of yet. I would like to know about you. <laughs> and uh, so I immediately called her because she would said in this letter that she had been a direct student of Maria Montessori. And I thought, wow. Mm. So I contacted her and she came to visit our school and decided she wanted to come and live in our community and train our teachers. And that was the beginning of a, a wonderful association. Now, and you said this was in 1979? 1979, that's oh correct. gosh. So, you know, Mary Ellen, some, some of the educational methods that we've seen in the past seem to be, I hate to say, a little trendy. They kind of come and go. You know, the <laughs> curriculum du jour, you know, whatever people are into at the time. The Montessori method seems to have withstood the best of time. I mean, you know, 40 years after I went to Montessori school, uh, it's still going strong, if not that much stronger. Well, why do you think this is? Well, you know, Ross, you're right. It is getting stronger. It's getting stronger all the time all over the world. And I think it's because it's based on principles. It's not based on theories. It's based on principles of child development that were the same yesterday and today mm -hmm. and tomorrow. And her goal was not to impart a curriculum. It was to help life. And that essential concept of observing life trying to meet its needs at each level is what makes Montessori so impactful and successful today. Well, you know, th th this might be asking the same question in a slightly different way, but you know, I, I know a lot of people who listen, are listening to this probably want to know not only if the Montessori method will work for their child, but how, but how it works. Um, what can you tell us about this? You know, is there research that validates the Montessori method? Oh, there certainly is. There's been a tremendous amount of brain research in the last couple of years that have validated Montessori. Um, just tell you about one particular study of sure. two fellows by the name of David Hubble and Torsten Weasel actually won a Nobel Prize for their work in the early 70s regarding sensitive periods in development. They sewed the eyelids of newborn kittens shut so that the kittens, there was nothing wrong with their eyes, but they had no visual input during the first couple of weeks of their life. When they opened the eyes, then they were blind because they had 
gone through a sensitive period for visual input, but oh, there right. was no visual input. And Montessori, believe it or not, in 1912 wrote her first book. Well, it was actually 1909, and it was published in the United States in 1912, called The Montessori Method. She described sensitive periods in development. Mm. She was an MD. She understood what she was seeing, and she observed very, very carefully. So that's one of many, many scientific revelations that have validated. But there's another whole source of validation these days, and that is the <laughs> research on creativity and yeah. success in life. And I don't know if you saw, but a, oh gosh, in March of this last year, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal. Oh, by the famous Montessori alumni? Yes, called the Montessori <laughs> Mafia. Yes, go ahead. And that article told about the founders of Google, Larry Page and Sergey Brin, talked about the founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, oh. the founder of Wikipedia, Jimmy Wales, the founder of The Sims Games Online, Will Wright. All of these people were Montessori children. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. And the whole idea of the Montessori mafia, so to speak, was that there's like this elite of creativity out mm -hmm. there, and they all came from Montessori backgrounds. And there's a very interesting book right now that's out called In the Plex, and it's about the f Google and, yep. uh, and their founders. And on the back cover of this best-selling book, it says you'll never be able to understand Google unless you understand that these were Montessori kids. <laughs> they have the freedom to explore their environment, mm. not just take the word of their teacher, but really find out for themselves. Oh, <laughs> that's great. You know, I, I just wanted to share a quick little anecdote with you. You mentioned this. Um, the scientific study that was done. Mm -hmm. um, my oldest daughter, when she was born, um, only had one pupil that was visible. Mm -hmm. And for a, a short period of her life, she saw nothing but two, in two dimensions. Turned out, when she became an adult, she had no depth perception. It was quite clear that she had only monocular vision, not mm -hmm. binocular. So it was quite interesting. Well, you know, I have an eye problem also, and I, I only have see out of one eye. And the bottom line is that the ability of the eyes to become and focus both both eyes together mm -hmm. with binocular vision, that is a sensitive period that ends at about five. And so if whatever um, is the physical problem hasn't been remedied before that, then it's going to be a lifelong problem. And that's what they told us. Yeah, yeah they explained that. Yeah. But there are many, many studies out there that I, I won't take the time to cite, but just the various things that Montessori observed and wrote about are being validated by science. Continuously. Continuously. Ross, you had a question. Yeah, I do. So, uh, you, you know, you seem to be as active today as you've ever been in the teaching and promotion of Montessori around the world. Um, as we were talking about, do you find that interest is growing? Is it staying the same? What's happening with it? It's exploding right now, Ross. Um, you know, in 1907, she opened one classroom in Rome, and now there are tens of thousands of classrooms <laughs> all over the world in almost every country on Earth. China, for example, two of the main provinces of the nation of China have adopted Montessori education. I do a teacher training program in Russia every summer. It's just exploding all over the world. Wow. Here in the United States, for example, we all know about Montessori private schools, but there's more than 200 school districts, public school districts, that are offering Montessori courses as oh, well, fantastic. classes for children, too. So, yeah, it's, it's keeping me busy, Ross. <laughs> Well, what advice would you give you know, to anyone who feels called to teach children? I would dive into Montessori. I would uh, read her books. I would try to visit 
a Montessori school or two in your local area, I would uh, invite you to register for my online training course. We'll, we'll get to that for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's an active, dynamic community of people out there that are practicing Montessori, and there are some wonderful sources of information. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Well, you know, there, there are a lot of different approaches to teaching the Montessori method, and, and we know... Uh, whenever you have something that's popular like that, uh, some people are doing it uh, one way and some are doing it another. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to tell if these are authentic or not? And, and if so, how do you separate the authentic from the unauthentic Montessori methods? Well, there are quite a number of different training courses and or- separate organizations that promote Montessori. Um, there are differences in emphasis, differences in thoroughness of training, I think the most vital key is finding a direct connection with Dr. Montessori herself, a a training course and sources that actually preserve and honor the lineage of what she herself gave and that try to connect what she said then Mm -hmm. with what's going on now. Um, In the late 1980s, a group of Montessori educators got together and formed an umbrella organization called the Montessori Teacher, excuse me, the um, Montessori Accreditation Council for Teacher Education and MACT. And this is an organization that has been uh, approved by the Department of Education to actually accredit Montessori teacher education programs. And you can pretty much rely on a MACT course having gone through the stages of accreditation. It's been, it's viable. It's viable. But you have to know, you have to look into the course, talk to people, and find the one that really resonates with your interest. Well, uh, this seems to be accepted by the mainstream. Oh, yes, very much so. And MACD would be one of those organizations that basically vets the authenticity? That's correct. Okay, wow. Um, and I, you know, in spirit of full disclosure here, I am married to a Montessori teacher. <laughs> and uh, she... Um, during the time when she was actively doing this, she had toddlers. So my question is, at what age should a parent consider beginning their child's Montessori education? If you understand Montessori, you read her books, you understand what Maria Montessori said, Mm -hmm. education begins nine months before they're born. (laughs) It's a way of life. It's a way of cooperating and helping life. It's an amazing thing that the principles of Montessori are applied with prenatal programs with parents. They're applied to infants and toddlers, early childhood preschool, lower and upper elementary, adolescence, high school, and now, believe it or not, it is one of the acceptable ways of treating Alzheimer's to create Montessori materials for people to keep hands-on doing their buttons and their zippers and pouring their tea. It helps extend the, the life of the memory for right. older people. That's fantastic. It's a lifelong It is process. a lifelong process because, as I said before, Tom, it's based on principles. Yeah. Well, we've got to take a break here, but don't go away. When we return, we'll continue our discussion of child education with Montessori master teacher and trainer, Marilyn Mons. Stay with us. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how do I get there? These are some of the basic questions we all ask ourselves on the spiritual path, and the answers we find certainly vary. Who are you? 
You are a child of God, and as a child of God, you carry within you the seed of actually becoming God. This seed is your Christ self, the same in you that is in Jesus Christ. Why are you here? To master yourself in order to graduate from Earth's schoolroom and reunite with the heart of God. Essentially, you are following in the footsteps of Jesus and other great saints and sages who have gone before. Where are you going? Home. Call it nirvana, the hereafter, the heaven world, whatever you want. It's the next stop on your journey. And finally, how do you get there? Let us show you how. Visit us at www.tsl.org. We are the Summit Lighthouse. We practice and publish the teachings of the Ascended Masters, and we've got answers to all of your questions. Visit tsl.org today. The Summit Lighthouse. Master yourself. Become God. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support you. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Ross Brunson and Tom Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Well, thank you, everyone, for staying with us. Uh, We are back, one more segment, and discussing the education of the heart of the child with Marilyn Mons. Um, Does it take a long time to learn and apply Montessori methods? Well, you know, it's a very broad subject. It's um, a body of knowledge. It's a transformation of the self that you go through and a lot of lessons to learn how to present to the children. Generally, it takes a year to two years for, for to become fully trained at any one age. That's not level. long. No, no. <laughs> it's not. Well, you know, speaking about that, I think you've got a little project that's going on right now that seeks to advance Montessori teacher training. Um, can you tell us something about that? Well, you know, in my work and travels, I meet people who are interested in Montessori training. They want it for their own application with their children. They want to become trained as a teacher and get a certificate, but there's no Montessori course close to their home, and so they can't do it. And so it's been a long-time dream of mine to actually take Montessori to where the people are, and that is our purpose of developing an online training program. It's online in terms of the theory and philosophy and psychology followed by the hands-on portion and, a, and an actual internship. Yeah, and not just for teachers, but parents also. That's right. Yeah. Many, over the years of, of my training, I've had probably half my students have been parents, grandparents, mm-hmm. interested parties, administrators of schools. They just want to understand Montessori for their own purposes, as well as then those people who, who want to get the certificate and launch a career. Well, it's, it's a revelation. It was to me to hear you say that the, the Montessori educational process really begins nine months prior to birth. 
We do a lot of work with the stages of development and the understanding of child development because that, in order to meet the needs of the child, you have to know what those needs are. Oh, sure. Well, let's give all the parents and teachers out there your website for more information about the age of Montessori, you know, what courses and training you offer and what resources you provide. That is www.ageofmontessori.org. Yeah. So, Mary Ellen, do you have any special courses coming up that our listeners should know about, and can you describe those courses just a little bit? I do. Um, right now on our website, you'll find a lot of great information on Montessori. We have many, many articles there. We have a free downloadable white paper about the revolutionary discoveries of Maria Montessori. Oh, good. Um, we did a webinar that's going to be very soon archived on the website and another webinar coming up on June 9th that we invite everybody to, to check out and join us. Good. Um, we can, we'll be offering a free newsletter starting in, in the summertime. Um, I guess the main piece of information is that we're actually launching our online course on September 1st, Ooh. 2011. That's <laughs> Coming a up like a freight train, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's say that website one more time. Mary Ellen, you want to give that? Yes, www.ageofmontessori.org. Authentic, expert Montessori training for parents and teachers online and in person. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> you know, you seem to have your plate full with your current course offerings in educational product development, but let's look down the road a bit. Um, what's on the horizon for Age of Montessori? Well, almost directly ahead of me is I offer my teacher training program in St. Petersburg, Russia, so I will be leaving in July for that. Mm. Um, and then that's kind of a lead up then to the launch of our course in September 1st, How many, um, how many years in Russia? Um, eight. Eight, wow. Eight and counting. We've had at least 20 new Montessori schools open in different parts of Russia from the students who've come and taken my course. So it's just a thrill to watch it expand over there. Must be gratifying. But I'd like to tell you just a little bit more about what's starting on September 1st. Oh, absolutely. Please do. Um, there'll be nine months of online study. You can do it in the comfort of your home and the schedule that appeals to you. Um, it's going to be an in-depth study of the psychology, the philosophy, all of the underlying principles of the Montessori method. Mm -hmm. And that's open to anyone, parents, teachers, uh, whoever is interested. Oh, that's wonderful. And then the people who are studying for Montessori certification have to write a lot of papers and or will be very involved in online forums and dialogues. Yeah. Following that, then there's going to be a one-month period of time of demonstration and practice of the Montessori materials, and then a nine-month internship, which is basically a year of student teaching in a fully equipped Montessori environment. So it really takes two years to become a certified Montessori teacher in the Age of Montessori program. And do you help people um, acquire the internship um, opportunity? We will um, connect people as much as we're able. We'll be advising them, advising them to find Montessori schools close to their home. Mm -hmm. And then we will work with field supervisors to supervise them so they don't have to do a lot of traveling in That's order good. to be part of our course. Yeah, wow. I mean, it sounds you like... Know, you know, Mary Ellen, it's clear that, you know, holding the education of the heart of the child in your hands is, is truly an awesome responsibility. But mm -hmm. the Montessori teacher isn't alone. What can you tell us about the spiritual underpinnings of the Montessori method and how we as parents can help, you know, uh, be in partnership with the schools and the teachers in order to make that happen? 
You know, that partnership is so important. There's no one more important to the child than his parents. And second on that list is often the teachers. Yeah. We have a very profound impact on the lives of children. And when we, working, when we are working in cooperation with the parents, it's so much better. Um, I want to differentiate between the word spiritual and religious, because I think it's an important distinction. Very good. In Montessori, we honor the spiritual nature of the child. Spiritual refers to the universal questions about life that we all have. Religion, on the other hand, speaks to the answers. Montessori does not offer the answers, mm-hmm. but it honors the questions, and it honors the individual spirit of each child. And I think when the author of In the Plex was writing the back cover talking about you can't understand Google unless you understand that they're Montessori kids, it speaks to the fact that rather than a curriculum that's a pouring in of information and facts, Montessori allows the finding of the individuality and the expansion of that individuality. Mm -hmm. And it's not the same for every child. They all learn to read and write and they do it well, but they also have the opportunity to explore those parts of themselves that a traditional curriculum might not allow for. And and in terms of the spirituality that you're you're referencing, this is not doctrinal. No, not at all. This is very just foundational. Yes. And, And obviously across the board. I mean, it doesn't require that somebody become aligned with any particular spiritual belief or orthodoxy is at all. Oh, heavens no. I'd like to read something from Maria Montessori that has always been my favorite quote. Sure. She says, I believe that the work of the educator consists primarily in protecting the powers of the developing child and directing them without disturbing them in their expansion and in the bringing of man into contact with the spirit which is within him and which should operate through him. Mm. So I think that just gives us a, a feeling oh. of the inner spirit rather than any kind of doctrine. That has nothing that's, to do with that. Well, the, And that's one of those very simple wrap-ups that sort of en- encompasses the universe. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you kind of get both sides of that. Well, is this spiritual foundation an essential component of Montessori training or is it optional? Well, I look at it this way. It, <laughs> it's a matter of integrity. The child is a whole being, body, mind, feelings, and spirit, whether he's at home or whether he's at school or whether he's in his church. He brings all of who he is. And if we want to offer him a program that truly helps his life, we're not going to just ignore one component of his being. No. So, integrity comes from the same word as integration. And I've often thought an integer, Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, if the child has a spiritual nature, as an educator, I'm obliged to assist that part of his development as as well as any other part. So, I I don't believe that it's optional. It just is. It's part of the child. You know, this is... Mary Ellen, one one question I have is, if you were going to give any advice to parents who are, you know, are conceiving or their their children are very small, uh, what, what one or two principles should they start to follow, and what should they, you know, what should they start to study uh, before they even get close to a Montessori school? I think inner harmony. <laughs> if they can create harmony between in their home, the child will be feel nurtured. If they can permit the child to have choices. Whether it's food, you put two or three things out and let them choose, or two or three toys to choose from. You know, Ross, this is happening again to us. I think every week we say we're just starting to get into the meat of the, the heart of the subject and we have to go. Oh my but God. unfortunately, you know, that's all the time we have this week. And I want to thank you, Mary Ellen, for joining us today. And I hope that you'll be back with us sometime soon for a follow-up because I've got three pages of questions here and we didn't even get to them. So I'd like to 
um, offer you that slot if you are open to the idea. And perhaps right around the time when your online training is beginning in earnest, we can revisit these subjects and um, take them on further. That would be lovely. Good. Thank you so Good. much for having me on the show, Tom and Ross. Oh, you're very oh, welcome. You're this is wonderful. And yeah. before we go, let's make sure we repeat the website address for the Age of Montessori. It's www.ageofmontessori.org. That's great. Yes. www.ageofmontessori.org. And please, you know, join us again next week. We'll be talking about reuniting with your higher self. It's probably about time. <laughs> and, and until then, please remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are literally out of this, out world. Of this world. Exactly. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Ross. Thank you, Marielle. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.